study of the book of John, and we are kind of in that home stretch. I mean, we've still got nine-ish weeks left, uh, and we're going to wind up, uh, as we finish up John, uh, right about the time that we're going to be celebrating um, Easter. And so this week we're in John chapter 15, uh, the beginning of John 15. And that Chase, there's a pad or something playing on one of the monitors. And in 15, specifically 15.8, he says, In this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you shall sh uh, show you be my disciples. And so he's saying in this you will you will bear much fruit. Okay, so we glorify the Father and prove that we're his followers of Jesus when we produce fruit, fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so what's physical fruit? Like if there's a, a, a plant or, or a tree, th this physical fruit, it's really an evidence, an outward evidence of the inward nature of the tree. So like inside the tree, let's take a banana tree. Like inside there is the DNA that's unique to a banana tree. Okay? And then that uniqueness plays out. Then it grows bananas. You're like, even if you didn't know what a banana tree necessarily looked like, most of us recognize a banana. We're like, that's a banana tree. Because a banana tree is not going to grow apples, and an apple tree is not going to grow bananas, right? Okay, so it's this evidence of the in, let's say, inside DNA of what's going on, the nature of that tree. And so we know an apple tree is an apple tree because it produces apples. So likewise, if we're walking in the Spirit, the evidence of His presence, of Christ's presence in our life, will be this spiritual fruit that John's talking about. Okay, and the fruit of the Spirit is this Christ-like character produced, and we'll find specifically it's telling us it's, it's produced by this abiding in Him. Okay, so Christ-like character produced by abiding in Him. And so... There's, I'm going to give you kind of what I see as I study through this, uh, because I started looking like, okay, are there many fruits, or is our, our, or is it one fruit? Because really, I look, throughout Scripture, it says fruit. You, you will bear fruit. You will do fruit. It's talking, it says fruit of the Spirit. So I, I think that there's nine kind of characteristics that we see throughout Scripture that are dynamics of that fruit. So, fruit being singular. Why do I think that? Well, I, I think the works of the flesh are many, but the fruit of the Spirit's produced with this singular purpose, that one fruit, this singular purpose, and that's to glorify God, okay? 
the gifts, because we talk about gifts and talents, right? Those are given to believers and to give abilities to be able to minister. Some have the gift and, and kind of this talent of hospitality or, or management or, 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 you know, all these, these different giftings. But the gifts of the Spirit are many and given to each believer. And we see scripturally some may have more, like, some may have several gifts. Some, some may, we know that we will have something that, that Christ gifts us in to be able to minister to those around us. But it's not necessarily, Scripture doesn't necessarily speak to this like even playing field of, uh, of giftedness and, and talents. Um, but we know through Scripture that this fruit of the Spirit is to be produced in every believer's life. And so spiritual maturity is not a matter of living a life of love one day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love today. Tomorrow I'm going to be joyful like this. Then probably a Thursday, peace Thursday. We'll be peaceful on Thursday. No, we're supposed to be growing in all these different virtues simultaneously. So I think it's the fruit of the Spirit is growing in these different dynamics is that fruit. Okay, if we're believers, the Spirit's producing His fruit in us. How can we grow better fruit? How can we increase the harvest? I think fruit bearing involves a couple of different things, like a kind of this blend of obedience and dependence. Obedience and dependence. O obedience because we're commanded to do it, right? It says go and bear fruit. There's this command that Christ gives us. And so then we must seek out practical ways to grow in these attributes and then apply these attributes, put, put these things into action. Because there's no reason to try and grow if you're not applying them, right? It's just head knowledge. Head, head. Christ doesn't want only head knowledge. He wants hands and feet. He wants that head knowledge to hit the ground where, you know, the old rubber, where the rubber meets the road kind of thing. It's also going to take dependence because the, we understand that the Spirit alone is what can make us like Christ. I can't do anything on my own in my own power and abilities to draw me closer to Christ. I can live my life in these different things, but it's the Spirit, it's Christ who then draws close to me. He desires these things. And so we, we become dependent. And so we continually need to be yielding. His control that supplies that energy necessary to obey. And so this conformity to Christ, this, this naturally growing more and more in Christ is, is not really, or at least I don't necessarily see it as like this fruit salad of all these different things. I, but I see more of like a bunch, a group of fruit, like a like bananas, you know, they come multiple bananas on this on, in this big patch. Or we're going to see, specifically in our passage today, like a 
bunch of grapes on a vine. Fruit of the Spirit, but all these different grapes that make up that, that bunch. And so based on this morning's passage, I'm, I'm visualizing, you know, this bunch of grapes. And the Holy Spirit's not interested in producing one mega grape and then maybe like eight other smaller grapes. I think he wants this lush, full, vibrant bunch of grapes. So how can we grow in our likeness to Christ? How, how can we develop greater love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, uh, faithfulness, self-control? What is necessary for this abundant harvest? John answers that question just before his crucifixion in John 15. And when we read this passage, it's over the top obvious that he's sharing about this cultivation of fruit, of of grapes. And so if you've got your Bible, if you've got an app or your phone or whatever you're looking at, we're going to be in John 15. I'm going to run through uh, about verse 6 to start with. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Has anybody grown up uh, and grown grapes or, like, had parents or grand family or somebody? Maybe you have grapes out at your place. I was kind of looking at different, uh, just looking up, like, grapes, vineyards, you know, and I come across... There's one uh, that is claimed to be the largest single grapevine, like the Guinness Book of World Records kind of thing, and it's over in England, but like the main route where this thing goes in the ground is like almost three foot in diameter, um, and this thing like sprawls out and goes over, I, I can't even remember, like, the surface area. Um, it, it just, like, had field, like, it looked like to me like fields and fields of different grape, but it was all the same vine. Like, it came out of this root, and then those vines, and it just slowly, like, kind of got these main shoots and then these vines off of it. Um, it was just fascinating that all of the fruit, Uh, And it gave, like, how many gallons uh, and bushels of grapes this thing produced 
all came from this one root. Like all the bushels of those grapes came from this one place where it goes into the soil. It was very, very cool. And so God in this passage, the father is the vine dresser. Okay, he's the, he's the gardener. He's the one that is checking the vine. He, he, he's the one that, that, that's cultivating it. Um, and why is he doing all these things? Well, to increase the harvest. To increase the, the, the quality of the fruit. Jesus is the vine. This, this thick trunk that runs along the arbor. And then we as believers are those branches that are connected to that main vine, that main root, and then take off out into the fields. The Holy Spirit, the be- I read a couple of different things, and, and to me the Holy Spirit is like the sap within this plant, right? It comes out of the ground, the nourishment comes in, it comes in through the roots, it comes in through this, this uh, up through this main trunk, and the, like the lifeblood of a plant, you don't see it, but it's like osmosis and all this different things where all the nutrients is going out to the branches and to, and it's that Holy Spirit is within that plant divvying up the energy, divvying up the power. So John 14, 16, 17, and I will pray the Father, and, and he will give you another helper that he, you, he may abide with you forever, the fruit of the spirit of truth, whom the word cannot receive because it, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so in this illustration that comes through, the, the vine is in the branches, is this, this sap. Now, notice there's different production levels. Like when we read through that passage, two and five, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So we see some that doesn't bear, bear fruit. We see some that bears some fruit. We see some that produce more and some that produces much. So what kind of branch are you? What, what kind of branch do you long to be? Are our lives nothing like Christ? Are they somewhat like Christ? Pretty much like Christ? Like a mirror image walking as closely as our earthly flesh will allow us to walk? Like in abiding in him? When all these situations we see in this passage, the vine dresser's working. Okay, the vine dresser's working. If, if we're bearing no fruit, what, what does that mean? Now, we've got, to, we've got to understand that Scripture's telling us all of these vines are attached to the root. So it would be those that believe in him. And so 
if there's no fruit, one of two things. Either, either we're not connected to the vine, or our attachment to the vine has in some way become blocked. So that sap isn't flowing into us. It may be that there's someone here this morning who who's doesn't have any attachment to Christ. You've never received him in your life as your personal Lord and Savior, and I would urge you uh, at the end of our service, come, let, let us pray with you, let, let us share with you that message of, of hope and, and healing and redemption that Jesus wants to, to share with you. If you are attached to Christ, but you've been going through this period of, of fruitlessness because something's blocked this, this flow of the Holy Spirit, let's say, what blocks our fellowship with Christ? Sin. Sin blocks that. We can be attached to him, but that, that sin can, can block. cause fruitlessness i've shared this a couple of different times times but i, I like don't want to overshare but this was this, this is an ideal spot to kind of talk about sin sin and when we talk about following jesus it, we talk about laying down our old and picking up the new right putting on that new and that is Basically, you've heard the terminology like die to self, like you want to put your flesh off and take on Christ. And so it's living in this selfless nature, right? And so what's the opposite of selflessness? Selfishness. And so ultimately, and I've still, I mean, I'd love to have that conversation if you think of something. I still have not found a sin where the root of it is not selfishness. Okay, so like if you're lying, it's because there's something going on that you're trying to cover it up. It, it, you, it, it's about you. You're trying to make something happen or whatever that is. It, uh, adultery, whatever it is, pride, you know, anger, bitterness, all those things, it roots back to selfishness. And so what blocks our fellowship with Christ? Sin, which ultimately is selfishness. And it jams, like that can jam up our submitting, our serving, our compassion, our worship. So, so love and selfishness are like arch rivals. You can't lo truly love and be selfish at the same time. Like, it just doesn't work like that. And, then, you know, and we know that selfishness then just fosters, you know, greed and envy, gossip and the conflict and just all of this mess. And so, when we continue in, in sin, in selfishness and refuse to to get out of that like refuse to re even recognize it repent the, the gardener has 
and will and does pick us up off the ground, cleans us off, removes the blockage, and puts us back on the trellis. Okay, that where in the verse, uh, the original language where where it's uh, translated take away is this arrow. It can also be translated to take up or lift up, where it says God takes all, take away, takes away these branches. Also, also can mean takes up or lifts up these branches. And so when we fall into sin, children of God, the, the Father doesn't take us away. You're going to the fiery furnace. We could... That does happen if those that fall away from him and are not believers. But that's not going to happen just in, in a situation where you are in a season of fruitlessness and, and, and there's sin in your life. God wants to pick us up. He wants to dust us off clean us off, right? If a branch gets down under the ground and gets dirt and leaves and stuff on it, it can't get the sunlight it needs, it can't get the nourishment it needs, it starts to kind of wither and die even though it's attached to the branch. It just gets yellow spots, you know, and look, you can just tell, okay, it's on its way. It's not dead yet, but it's on its way. But if you take that up, if you can kind of prune it back, clean it up, and get it back on that vine, it will take off. So how does he do that? How does he lift us back up? Um, and one of those main ways that he, he, he guides and directs us is this chastening, this discipline, this fatherly discipline. And I'm not talking about the discipline like flying off the ha handle and, you know, beating you into a pulp. I'm talking about this loving father, and there is discipline I want to read uh, Hebrews 12, uh, 5 through 11. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? It says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chast uh, chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us and we respect them. Shall we not much more subject to the father of the spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so it may be that you are in this this discipline, this chastening hand or season right now. And we've got to remember God loves us and he is disciplining because he wants you to be fruitful. We, when we repent, 
sin, growth can start again. If the Holy Spirit is convicting us, or if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of something that's broken your fellowship with Jesus, we can we repent, right? We turn from it, we change, we confess, we we forsake it, we replace it in all by his enabling power. Now some bear fruit. And how does he accomplish this if you bear some fruit but want to bear more fruit or maybe better quality fruit? How does he accomplish this? How does God, how does Christ accomplish this? By pruning. We saw in our passage that the vine dresser walked and pruned and peeled back and cut away and propped up and cleaned off. So in order to produce these big luscious grapes, and not only one of them, but lots of them, the vine dresser must severely cut back new growth. Do you just, when you're, and I don't know how into it you are on your grape branch, but like I've seen, you butcher those things pretty well. Like I've seen some go, oh, like, I thought they were maybe taking the whole plant down. Like, it, they, they cut them back pretty But they're cutting back all but these very select best shoots on that branch because the vine dresser knows what's best for that and what's going to produce the most fruit. Because if the branches have all kinds of leaves on them, it, you know, the plant is pouring all its energy and resources into growing these beautiful leaves, which are green and great, but they're not producing fruit. So it's like, oh, that's nice to look at, but it's not really doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is produce fruit. And so same thing with tomatoes. I'm, I'm like, I'm not a huge gardener, but I know like you go through, you know, you pull off the suckers or whatever so that you can kind of get the best tomatoes you can get, same process. So pruning is God removing from our lives those things that would keep us from being all that he wants us to be. And here's the deal. Like God may, these may be good things that are being pruned, but they're going to give way to better. These may be good things, but God wants to replace them with even better things. Psalm 66, 10, 12, for you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You've caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. So maybe you've been going through some fiery trials recently. Maybe no major sin in your life, but it's God trying to pruning. He's pruning to, to refine you, to, to teach you, give you opportunities to 
be taught to trust in yourself less and in him more. James 1, 3, 4, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so, give God permission to prune you. Like, like learn the lesson God wants to teach. Release those all areas into God's hands. Let, let him remove those things that are hindering and, and enhance, say that, that stimulates that growth. But first, the kingdom, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, Matthew 6, 33. And Paul uh, gives testimony about proving, uh, pruning in Philippians 3, 7, 8, and then 13 through 15. But, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Brethren, I do not count myself to be uh, to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many uh, as are mature, have this mind, and if, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. And see... It, when God prunes us, when we have these pruning seasons in our lives, we can do several different things. We can complain. We can rebel. We can compromise and run away. Or, or we can keep our eye on the prize. Run the race that's been put in front of us. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom have not seen you uh, love, though now you do not see him. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressibly and full of glory. If we, if we are bearing more fruit, God wants us to bear much fruit. And so in order to have this maximum yield, kind of, he's teaching us in these scriptures, the grapevine needs sunlight, it needs rain, it needs pruning at the right time. If the it's not bearing fruit, vine dresser picks it up. If the branch is bearing some fruit, gardener prunes it so it will bear more. If it is bearing fruit and stays close to the vine and is cared for, it will bear much fruit. So what's the secret in a 
bearing much fruit. Well, we see in John 15, eight different times John uses this phrase, abide in me. Abide in me. And so to abide means to continue, to dwell, or remain. To continue daily in this personal fellowship of Christ. To dwell in his presence continually, to remain steadfast in this close relationship. So abiding in Christ is not ritual. It's not ritual, it's relationship. So abiding in him isn't, I did my 10-minute prayer time. All I need to do is listen to, you know, my worship CD, and then I've got, like, I'm getting all this. It's not ritual. It's not have-tos. It, it, it's relationship, and that's what abiding is. It, it's developing this ever-deepening intimacy with Christ. What can we do to help develop this relationship with Jesus and John tells us and we'll read now uh, the remaining of our verses from 7 to to 14 Um, if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And so we see in these these verses kind of this framework of abiding in him. And someone much smarter than I, because I came across it a couple of different times, Put the ideas of these scripture into abide. Quirky, uh, catchy, I know. We're cutting edge here. So A, always read and meditate on God's word. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Not only do we have to get into God's word, but God's word has to get into us. It's that not just the head knowledge, it's the hands and feet knowledge. It's the, it, it's the application, right? And that means every day we've got to spend time in, our, in the scripture, meditating, not just reading it, check it off, did that. Bomb, I'm doing three, uh, I, I've got three reading plans. I did all three of them today. No, it's about reading the scripture and, and meditating on it and knowing, even if it's a few verses, and really reflecting on what, what, is, what does that mean? How do I live that out? What's, God, what's God's purpose in having that in here? And then a way to make it personal if you, is to kind of make some notes. Like even if it's just a little notebook and like, man, that made me think of this. 
or that made me think of that, or I wonder about this. Right questions. Do you need any right questions today? Then we be we bow before the Lord daily in prayer, right? He says, "You will ask what, ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you." By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, for you will be my disciples. Again, it doesn't mean just running around with a prayer list, like kind of this personal genie or you know Christmas list from Santa Claus. It's what are you praying about? What what are you lifting up? Praising Him, thanking Him, worshiping Him through prayer. It's definitely, we're called to bring our petitions, our cares, our needs, our, our, our desires of our heart. And many times the desires of our heart align with God's desires, but sometimes they don't. But praising and worshiping true fellowship with Christ in, in prayer. And we can imitate his love. All of these things are, are, are ways that we're going to be able to abide in him. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I've made known to you. So imitate his love. Another way we stay close to Jesus, seeking to be like him in our other relationships. Allowing the love that we experience and we receive to spill over into other people around us. It's that whole uh, mental picture, right, of that cup being full and pouring out. Throughout scripture, he uses that terminology pour out this drink offering, pour out this offering, this cup overflows, pour it out. When you pour something out, there's nothing left to be poured out. God will fill that back up. See, we may be a bunch of full cups just walking around, knocking into each other, spilling a little bit, but we're not doing anything. God's filled us up. We're to turn around and pour that out in others' lives. Jesus loves us warmly, passionately, fully, sacrificially. Why can't we love those around us in that same way? Do what he says. I mean, that's kind of obvious. The closer that we make our lives to him, the closer we will become. If you, He tells us, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. It's not, again, it's not enough to just listen to the voice of Jesus. We believe what he says and we act upon it. We know we're walking in harmony with Christ when he says, do this and we're obedient. On the flip side of that, when he says, don't do that, that's probably not a healthy decision. We don't do it. And when we mess up, because we do, this isn't a world of perfect. He asks his forgiveness and this, the, the enabling power to do it right the next time. And then being in ever, uh, this state of ever 
praise to him. Says these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. When our hearts are full of the joy of our relationship with Jesus, it can't help but spill out. It can't help but spill out. And not just in other lives, but just in this joyous praise. That's why our, our worship time at the beginning of the service isn't just like a few like a few songs to get warmed up for the word. No, no, no. There's days where I'm like, I wish we would just worship and pray and leave. Like sometimes it's God's moving and working in our hearts as much or more so through worship as as much as listening to his word. So it's not like we're just warming up for the rest of the service. This is a time when we are become close to the Lord. We're 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 crying out. We're 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 singing as horribly as I sing. It's beautiful to his ears. God says that he inhabits the praise of his people in Psalm 22, 3, right? You're probably thinking, well, I've heard you sing. It's not pleasing to his ears, but it is. And with the presence of God, there's no point. Without the presence of God, there's, there, there's really no point in doing what we're doing. Like we, we want to do this to his glory. And so we get in this habit of ever praising him, this passionate, wholeheartedly seeking the presence of God as word and prayer, love, obedience, praise. I'm sure everybody here this morning, if asked, would desire to abide in Christ, to be, to be more fruitful in him, longs for greater vitality, increase, nourishment, nourishment and energy from this Holy Spirit. What do we have to do? We repent, we release, we remain. Okay, we, we repent. This Father's hand of chastening or discipline is upon us. We, we repent, we get rid of that sin, we get rid of that selfishness that's hindering our ability to bear fruit. If the Father is pruning us, we release, we let go of anything that's holding us back from producing more fruit. If the Father's been producing Christ-like fruit in you, remain, abide, stay close to Christ. Continue developing that intimate relationship with him. Abide in Christ and bear much fruit. And here's just a couple of closing thoughts as we wrap this up. Uh, fruit isn't just like, to be admired and looked at, like on a physical fruit on a tree, right? It, it can provide nourishment. It can be eaten. Um, and ultimately, most, most fruit on trees is specifically so that it can be reproduced, right? Like the apple falls off the tree, it rot, like it rots, it decomposes, the seeds go in the ground, and, you know, voila, more apple trees appear. And so the purpose of fruit bearing is not for our own benefit. Like, check out this fruit. 
but it's to touch the lives of others. It's to, to replicate the king, to grow the kingdom. The, the spiritual fruit in our lives isn't just to be walking around showing off the fruit. It's for to nourish those around us. It's to multiply the kingdom. Let your love, your joy, your peace overflow to the people around you. It's through our likeness to Christ that others will be drawn to him. There's a quote, I, uh, I want to say it's William Barclay, but it, one of the quotes he says, you, every day you have the opportunity to either draw someone nearer to Christ or push them farther away from Christ based solely on how the words that come out of your mouth or the way that you interact with So every day I'm walking the street, I can be drawing people to Christ with my demeanor and my attitude, or I could be driving them away from Christ. If they know I'm a believer, I'm, I'm doing one of those two things. Like this dude, I saw him in church, and whew, he needs church. We may say with David, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who trusts in him. And the second thing is fruit should bring glory to the gardener, not us. The fruit should be bring glory to him, not, not us. So we can't take credit for these Christ-like qualities being cultivated in our lives because from the onset of the beginning this morning we said that, that's that's not me that's not stuff I'm doing that's the spirit working in me I'm being obedient and I'm walking this out and I'm working this out but it's Christ it's the spirit in me that's doing the that's changing us and so in, instead we need to be pointing to the one who produced and that's God the gardener John 15 8 by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. And then it made me think of Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine uh, before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. No, glorify our Father in heaven. Heavenly Father, God, we just, we come to you this morning. God, it's just so much that you just kind of unpacked on us God, my prayer for, for this place, my prayer for the churches throughout our community, that they would just long to be closer to you. If, if we have believers in our, in our church or in this city, in this world, that are just in a season of fruitlessness, God, I just pray that they that they would see and respond if you are if you are disciplining or chasing if you chasing if you are are guiding them if you're dusting them off if you're putting them back on that trellis that they would just that they would not fight that that they wouldn't run they wouldn't they would realize God though I just pray for those that are fruitful but maybe in a season of pruning 
Praise God, we our earthly flesh it, sometimes discipline and pruning can they're both painful. So we may have a tendency to push away. And my prayer would be that we would draw nearer and nearer to you. That we would embrace this these pruning times so that ultimately you know what is best for us and you may be cutting out good things but God it's allow great things and I just pray for your church your big C church would long to abide in you that it not be religious that it not be a checklist that it not be anything but relationship that your church would long to abide in you I pray that throughout our community that believers would come to you just in, in droves longing to just serve you and walk with you Amen. each Sunday we have opportunity to share